Welcome to Seeds, a show where we talk with people who are living lives of purpose and doing amazing things that make a positive impact in our world. We take time to listen to them as they reflect on their life journeys and what has shaped them into who they are today and what motivates them to be involved in what they do. Well, kia ora, everyone, and welcome along to this episode. I'm glad you could join me as we get the chance to speak with John Baylash today, and he was in New Zealand for the Future of Learning Conference, which happened recently in Christchurch. And in this interview, we talk about his background, and he's got a fascinating career, which we talk about in this interview. Here's an excerpt from our conversation. For me, the future of learning isn't the future, it's now. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are people that are really taking serious heart to this. Um, and serious effort to change to make the you know the the future classroom more equitable, more engaging, mm-hmm. and really a place where a child, an adult, whatever, can have fun and can have fun learning. Well, we're going to get straight into this interview, but if you enjoy it, you might want to check out some of the earlier ones in the back catalog because there's more than 135 now. There's also a website at theseeds.nz, and I've got a newsletter that goes out relatively frequently. Now let's get into this conversation with John. All right, so it's a real pleasure to welcome John Baylash, who's the Director of Educational Engagement at Carnegie Mellon University Entertainment Technology Center. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, and looking out, it's a beautiful sunny day in Christchurch, so um, I appreciate your being here with me to share a little bit about your journey. Um, What we do on the podcast is talk with people about what they're doing today, but to set the scene, I'd love to go back in time. So we've got a little time machine over here, (laughs) and we'd love to find out about where you're from. I was born in Geneva, Ohio, which is right near Lake Erie, one of the Great Lakes, um, and lived there for the the majority of uh, of my life. Um, uh, and somewhere in my youth, right around fourth grade, uh, we 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 took a trip abroad to France. Uh, my my father was a, a Fulbright Exchange, um, and so being able to see different just different spaces uh, was really great. Uh, although I, I will be honest, we didn't really explore much outside of Ohio, uh, but more so went to, to, to the north to Canada and then also you know overseas to, to Europe. Mm. And, and do you remember that sort of being told we're going to Europe moment? Was it like a big, a big thing for your family? Must have been. Yeah, so th- that was uh, it. Was moderately terrifying because I was just starting to form friends at school, right? Uh, and and really, you know, being comfortable with myself, and then having to, you know, travel so long, uh, not not knowing the language uh, whatsoever, mm-hmm. other than just you know the standard hellos and thank yous, um, and 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 being embedded there for a year. Uh, leaving behind one of our siblings who had just started university, um, it was more frightening. Uh, and then, you know, if we were to travel back to today, I'm infinitely grateful for mm. that experience. Hmm. So, what? So, what age were you? Fourth grade, you said. Yep. So, what? What yeah. age would that be like? Oh, I think it was. Oh, I don't even know. That's terrible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, your memories are hazy. Yeah. Uh, I was in fourth grade. <laughs> yeah, I was in fourth grade. I'm just trying to work it I... out. That would be like nine or ten or something, yeah. would it? Or, or maybe yeah. even a bit younger. Yeah. yeah. So, but you're still, like, in my mind, those are the time when I started to get my own first right. memories, right? Like, Because yeah. before that, it's kind of a hazy sort mm-hmm. of 
here's some Christmas photos of when you opened up a present. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so just describe, I guess, going to this new country, like how, how did it feel those yeah. first few weeks or months? Yeah. Uh, so the, it was, you know, radically different from uh, Geneva, uh, which is just, again, just a small, small town in Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the first things that I remember is the uh, daffodils in, in the, the region that we were in was called Les Vosges. Uh, and that has always stayed with me again. Uh, and then also the, the welcoming of the teacher in which, the, in which class I was going to be embedded. Mm. Uh, and so that, again, has stuck with me, um, more so than the, the friends that I made there, et cetera. Huh. Uh, my family kept in touch with the teacher huh. at Maubert. So how did they make you feel welcome, or what, what was it that was distinctive? I think that the, the, the curiosity um, and just openness to, to take someone that, that you know, would maybe bumble around with language and bumble around with uh, how to act, mm-hmm. even from you know, finding slippers <laughs> uh, to, to wear into the classroom, uh, you know, or answering on a chalkboard, a personal chalkboard instead of the typical hand raise. Mm-hmm. Um, but really the, the curiosity and the, um, the, the, I guess the, the passion to educate and share their little perspective um, in, into a fresh mind that was probably clearly resilient and moderately t- still fearful and, and frightened, so putting up walls, mm. um, but but really, really patient and, uh, and caring mm. and curious about what, what was going on with, a, with young John. Right. Do you have any idea what shaped them to be that sort of teacher? Oh, I don't. I yeah. don't. It was just the... I always I, find it fascinating, though, when people like that make an impression, you, yeah. wonder, you wonder who in their journey had right. helped shape them, yeah. because you know, she probably didn't foresee that you would now be doing what you're yeah. doing today. Right. But possibly this person, when you were aged nine or 10 or whatever, had a profound impact. Yeah. I mean, and, and hopefully that's the, uh, that's the goal and vision for educators. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but uh, again, even, if, again, flash forward, I've had time in the classroom, et cetera, et cetera. And you never know uh, what impact that you have on a, uh, a young a young student's mind, mm. um, and so it it makes me wonder if if teachers run in tribes, uh, which we can sort of see in in, in some areas. Uh, but my again my my dad was a teacher, mm-hmm. uh, my mom was a teacher, my grandma was a teacher, right. my brother is a teacher, my <laughs> sister is a teacher, and I'm in the education field as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it 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 begs the question of um, is that mindset just inherently picked up between people who, who connect that way. And then, uh, is that, you know, is that carried through, um, uh, or is it just dumb luck? Mm. Uh, yeah, well, definitely. I mean, the value of education must've been there hmm. if both of your parents were teachers and your grandmother was as well, right? Like yeah. just that legacy as well. Yeah. So how did it go then? You were there for a year, you said? Did you, yeah. learning the language and as a kid, you're absorbing it more, I guess? Yes, very quickly. Uh, and so um, getting fluent 
was just a, a very fast process uh, because there was so much to absorb. And mm-hmm. then also uh, to just navigate the space as, as a child, mm-hmm. you, you, it, I mean, it's almost necessity. Um, but that, yeah, it was great. Um, I think that the uh, I ended up doing things that I would never have thought that I would, uh, including playing basketball. I had never played basketball in my life, but that was an American thing to do. So I was naturally good at it, when in all reality I wasn't, um, where I was much more interested in, in uh, classic football, um, and, but I was nowhere close to as talented to, to even play on the playground. But right. uh, but for basketball, I was on a level playing field of yeah. not very good, but American. Right. So, so yeah. Michael Jordan and yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you come from the same country, yeah. must must naturally be there. That's right. It's interesting to me um, thinking about your life, and we haven't gotten very far through it yet. But mm-hmm. just the alternative realities of what would have happened if your family hadn't gone there. Have you thought about that? And sort of what what did you learn from that experience of mm-hmm. being outside of America for a year? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that that it. I think that I had impact in the way that I would approach education Mm -hmm. in the future. Uh, And then it also opened up different views in how to deal with things that were happening upon my return back to the States. So just having a few different lenses or perspectives was really, really important. And then also being equipped with a different language allowed me to express myself mostly to my parents uh, in a different way that, than I could in the English language. Mm. Um, so being able to just pull a word that might not have a, the best meaning in English mm-hmm. from, from French, uh, it, it allowed me to be more accurate uh, in certain instances. Mm. So I, I, again, I think that that, that really... Um, shaped the way that I would uh, approach my own education and then return, uh, you know, hopefully the, 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 the youth that, that I come in contact with. Mm. I've often feel like it's, it's a fascinating topic that we're fish in the fishbowl and we don't know the waters around us Mm because that's all we know. And in a way, you know, going to an experience like that transforms you into looking back at the fishbowl right oh that's where i was from you know and and particularly language like we kind of think in english we express Mm -hmm. in english but it's only one medium of expressing and many other languages are much better at communicating subtleties right um yeah i just think like in japanese um because i lived in japan um the way that they construct their verbs is very different to English because you change the ending mm-hmm. and then it can still have the root word is the same. Um, and I've often reflected that that actually changes then the way you think about right. the verb itself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's quite, we could do a whole podcast on that probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the, the way that, that sentences are structured, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. There's, in, 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 in my experience, there's like power plays where, like I do this, and that's that's me coming down, and I put me before you, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so just subtleties like that is are really really interesting mm-hmm. when you take a outside the fishbowl view or a 
you know, big picture view. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So you come back to America. Did you get reverse culture shock coming back to? Uh, I, I think or? I think I fell right in, and the the really interesting thing there is I was able to pick up speed really quickly, um, and so the the I had I had a, a knowledge base that was quite different, um, and that was you know that was cool. Mm. Uh, so then I was able to click back in uh, rather easily, and I, I, you know, I definitely probably had an edge up uh, uh, for a number of uh, subjects. Mm. And did you know what you wanted to study at that time, or like, did you have a certain area that you enjoyed yeah. more than others, like science yeah. or whatever yeah. math? You know. Yeah. Uh, so th- I always thought that I would um, I would always be a priest or an architect. Hmm. Um, and, uh, until later in life when, when I found out that math wasn't my strong suit, uh, (laughs) that, you know, that, that changed. Um, but I think one of the, one of the core things that also helped push that along was, um, the, what, what I was doing in, in Geneva when I was, you know, when I was back, uh, and that was mostly playing outside in the woods and, and then also building with Lego, hmm. uh, so that that Lego has stuck with me, um, you know, even when I was younger, and then all the way through, uh, up until today in my professional life. Yeah. Um, so. Well, I can see your name card you've gotten yes. written there, Lego. So yeah. let's let's go there. Let's talk about Lego. Yeah. For me, Lego was a huge part of my childhood because I remember every Christmas it mm-hmm. was like, you know, this new set or this new thing that I and then to construct and. I think sometimes um, some people get frustrated by you're mixing them all up. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the um, the old Western guy shouldn't be with the uh, the dragon guy over here. <laughs> right. But I just kind of put them all together, and then you just make your own new you know creation. But just talk us through your love of Lego. And- yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I was very lucky to be the um, the youngest, which means that I got all the Lego, mm-hmm. uh, and that was. Uh, just a complete mix of brick, uh, which that's that's what I still follow today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't I don't separate right now. Um, uh, and the the Lego lived under my bed in a in a cardboard box mm-hmm. uh, that I could fit in. Um, and the 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 freedom to create the toys that I didn't have, the freedom to 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 look back at some of the beautiful architecture in France and and try to mimic castles mm-hmm. et cetera et cetera um, that is an incredibly powerful platform um, and the 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 inspiration that I would see and uh, you know this was before uh, a lot of blogs and whatever else mm-hmm. uh, but just seeing snippets of what other people could create. Uh, or what they w- might bring to school uh, was really inspirational, mm-hmm. um, and also knowing that you know I can I can do that too, um, and I can also create my own whatever it may be, and that actually it it boiled into my studies as well, mm. to where I could you know instead of doing a like a shoebox diorama, um, I could create a world more accurately out of Lego. Right. Um, uh, that that I could have much more control over, mm-hmm. um, so I knew what I was getting, and I didn't have to rely on my 
my coordination skills to paint a picture or, or draw or anything like that. So I think that that was, uh, again, a really powerful platform, but also so expressive for me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, it's an amazing thing when you think about it. Like, I still have the logo from my childhood, you know, yeah. and like it's decades old, but it's yeah. still my kids now use it. You yeah. know, like it's not, um, hasn't really gone out of fashion. If anything, it's become hugely po- more popular, right? Given Lego Movie and mm-hmm. different series and things, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you still you still use it. You still enjoy it. Yeah, very much so. Mm-hmm. Uh, the I think the the proper term is the dark ages. Uh, so we 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 fall out of of using Lego um, uh, and then come back. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, throughout my undergrad and graduate school is when I sort of fell into the dark ages, uh, and then returning back to Pittsburgh, I'm I'm starting to be able to build my build my collection up and 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 purposely find time to to build with people uh and then also by myself and um Mm -hmm. and just just disconnect from everything that's wired Mm -hmm. uh and and be able to just sit down and and make something yeah Um, so you still would just have a box of lego and then you would create something from your own imagination rather than Here's step yeah. number seventeen. Or, yeah. So yeah. D- 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 depending on on who I'm building with, if mm-hmm. if I'm by myself, I'm gonna I'm gonna make whatever I want to make, and I won't follow a set or a kit. Yeah. Um, but if I want to introduce people into uh, a playful mindset, um, the, the the kits are beautifully designed and mm. um, and easy to follow, so anyone can join in and not feel the uh, you know the 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 pressure of of having to come up with something right? yes yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah what's well, amazing like my daughter just turned 10 and we got her a technics one so mm-hmm. it's a little bit like the it's a car basically and the engine the wheels move the engine kind of goes up and down and but it's pretty fun like she made it herself and is really happy with it you know like it's right. a beautiful orange color car yeah. <laughs> that she constructed yeah and now that um the that mechanism is embedded and can be transformed into other use uses mm-hmm. and other models etc yeah um so it's quite nice i think the uh just to rewind and time travel a little bit um in my right in my undergraduate right at the the front um there was a a, a national competition for uh the next lego master model builder um, and so somehow uh, I bought a ticket to Washington, D.C., where the closest regional competition was um, and, and, and won that, uh, which then pushed me to the, the finals hmm. um, in, in Legoland in, uh, in California. Wow. Um, so it's a, it's a... So you were a true um, master builder. Yeah, in I the lost. Movies, they... <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, yeah. So what did you have? Did they? What did you have to build? Did they give you a? How did it work? <laughs> sure. So in in regionals, they gave you a. I mean, this was you know lines and lines out of all people of different walks of life. It was held at a um, an art institute, uh, and when you got your chance, you had twenty minutes, a random theme, and a random assortment of bricks. I see. Which, if we remember, that's like. That's how I jammed. That was that was my move, and uh, so the um, 
the the little critter that I built was an owl that was also doubling as a professor. So he had a bow tie and a little little pencil, I see, and yeah. then big, big fuzzy eyebrows. Huh. Uh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Well, what a great opportunity. <laughs> yeah. 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 So just take us up through. Um, maybe we should get to the dark ages when you mm-hmm. strayed away from Lego. So what what were you studying at university and undergrad, and then yeah. and then what did you decide to move into? Sure. Yeah. So in in undergrad, um, I had a very diligent mother, and we were able to uh, tack three um, three degrees into four years. So uh, education with a focus on K through 12 art, uh, which then tacked on a, um, a fine art degree, and then um, graphic design as well. Mm. So you can see how they all dovetail. Complimentary, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was just a lot of time management. And this, again, my mother being an educator, um, had it all mapped out. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so morning, afternoon, and evening classes. But at, at the end of the four years, done with three degrees right um and that i mean that that consumed a lot of uh a lot of time um and the you know i was exploring those exciting fields that's Mm -hmm. where technology was you know really getting me amped up and excited Mm -hmm. and so the you know the the standard brick was you know on the shelf Mm. yeah and out of those three did you have one that you gravitated towards more than the others or I think that, that they they all sort of blended in the in the education degree. Um, I found right. the joys of blending technology um, and then bringing that back to learning and sharing the the passion and the excitement mm-hmm. for kids that that maybe haven't experienced that yet or didn't know the power of these tools. I mean, even like Lego as well mm-hmm. to, to create something. Um, so I think that I think education is always going to be at the heart of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just recognizing the the tools and then being able to implement them at the right time. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's what you continued on with studying, is it? Yeah. So the the uh, I, I was in the classroom for about ten years, mm-hmm. um, and so bobbing in and out of the dark ages. So I started a Lego club at my at my school, et cetera. Um, uh, and then it, it came time to do my continued studies, uh, again, being the youngest, my brother had just completed his master's of education and warned me that it was not worth it. Um, that, you know, what, what we've learned through, uh, through our family and what we've seen through good teachers was not what was being taught in the regional uh, universities or colleges. So mm. I was curious as I was seeing success in my classroom with project-based learning uh, and folding in these technologies and even uh, the the idea of play in that space. Um, and so I, I, I started looking for degrees that validated that so I could come back to my administration and say, well, hey, these folks are doing it and here's why. Uh, and that really took me to the the Entertainment Technology Center at Carnegie Mellon University. I, mm. I have to say that um, I found my way down there uh, without GPS, and uh, it it terrified me. I was uh, I just I heard a presentation by some of the teams, and I was too frightened to apply. Uh, 
uh, until about uh, five years later. Uh, and then I took that, I took that shot mm. um, and was accepted. Why were you too afraid to apply for those five years? The Carnegie Mellon's background with technology is massive, uh, and I didn't have the, the, the programming chops mm-hmm. um, to, th- to think of myself as that type of learner or student. Mm-hmm. Um, but after I dug into more of how design works, et cetera, et cetera, then I figured that I, and, and also the emerging field of um, uh, educational technologies. Right. Uh, so, so saying, well, I, there isn't a tool that does this yet. Yeah. How do people make that? Mm-hmm. And where, where's the valuable team member that has the educational background, the classroom experience, how is that being implemented? Because some of the tools that I'm seeing have good intention, but a really low ceiling. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that drove me, uh, to apply and take a shot. Yeah. Was there a moment when you thought, actually, I'm going to do it or, or yes. And it was hilarious. Oh, really? Uh, Tell so us that I was, story. <laughs> I was still in the, the, still in my high school classroom teaching. Okay. Uh, and it was rounding out the year and the, at, at, at every lunch period, um, our guidance counselor would, uh, would read college admissions. And so somehow before I knew our guidance counselor knew, maybe she was a letter of reference or something. Um, and so the, uh, the the high schoolers' names get read. The college, the colleges get read, uh, and then then she says, "Oh well, well we have one more, um, and this one's for John or Mr. Baylash." And it was, uh, yeah, it was it was Carnegie Mellon, um, and that 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 what a moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my 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 dad was in the room as well. Uh, it was really really powerful. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell it was emotional. The people yeah. listening can't see, but you know, like it's clearly a, a big part of your journey. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So you go and you start studying there and now you're still there. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. so just talk us through that transition. Obviously you enjoyed what you were learning. You enjoyed the environment and things. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, just tell us a bit about what you specialized in. Yeah. So a, a, a snapshot of the program is it is all project-based. Mm-hmm. Um, we're trying to solve real challenges every semester. So the development cycle is extremely rapid, about 15 to 16 weeks, mm-hmm. uh, interdisciplinary teams, um, and really bleeding edge technologies. Uh, so that, I mean, it, it kicked off with, um, the immersive semester and a, and a course called building virtual worlds, which is sort of the, it's what put us on the map, I guess, hmm. uh, as a department. Um, and that it, it throws you in a, a pit where you're working with strangers as fast as possible to make these immersive worlds um, and to solve a challenge. Right. And the challenge can be as simple as uh, player A, which is a playable character, has to help a non-playable character B overcome something. Right. Um, and and so just those little snapshots of being able to develop and see reaction and change and learn about your weaknesses and your strengths Mm -hmm. um, was everything that I found powerful as a learner and as a teacher. Uh, And so that just, it resonated so well with me Mm -hmm. um, that I just had to find the 
how it all worked behind the scenes. Um, so I always kept my eye on um, on positions that 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 sort of popped up. Mm-hmm. Um, so before any of those did pop up, um, I was bouncing around educational technology companies, um, uh, writing curriculum, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then the um, the position opened to uh, to disseminate the technologies that are created at the um, at the department, mm-hmm. uh, specifically in the classroom. Right. Uh, so with my background as in education, uh, and then also going through the program, um, it seemed like a well. They found it to be a good fit, mm-hmm. um, and we've been uh, really exploring the department's involvement in the region ever since. Mm-hmm. And it's morphed into some really wacky and cool, um, just like pop-up installations to. To, to apps and games that are still available. Yeah. Um, and well, I'd love uh, to talk about some of those. Sure. When, so when did you join that? Was it? So I started the, as, as a student. Um, well, yeah. Sure. Yeah. As a student, I, I went from 2011 to 2013. Okay. And then I came back in 2016. I see. Um, to a newly created role. Mm-hmm. Um, so really able to, to forge my own path in the mm-hmm. region mm-hmm. and uh, with the backing of the, the department. Mm-hmm. I was talking with someone in the break, and they felt like when they listened to your talk at, during the session that, that somehow you'd, you'd almost found your role in life <laughs> in, in that there probably aren't that many jobs that do what you do. But is that accurate, that you feel like it's really resonating with what you're about? And, um, and how did you create that or craft that yeah. get to that position yeah i th- i think that it was uh it's really of course i mean we have to look back to the that trip from france we have mm-hmm. to look back at the the makeup of my family and and etc um but i think one of the most important things that perhaps shaped this and what what got me here was just simply listening um listening to what the needs are of the community, of the department, of the school, and of of what what students need, mm-hmm. um, and then also that that can that can guide me to take a path, to take a challenge, to take a risk, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, and really go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think if we if we rewind and me not applying for five years, the fear crippled me or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm a lot more comfortable in, in putting myself out there and, and, and trying things because mm-hmm. I know that, um, you know, the, that, that something will happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we listen enough, then, uh, then something cool will happen. Yeah. I guess it's that, uh, mindset of there's no such thing as a failure. It's a mm-hmm. learning experience, right? Yeah. Like that, that attitude that comes yeah. from, but I think for all of us, and the thing is with the listeners, there'll be situations or things that they're not putting themselves out for because they're worried about the failure or what if yeah. they don't accept me. So hopefully some of this resonates for them, like oh, maybe it is time to put in that application, right? Right. And, and see, yeah. can I just ask, I love the word, um, you know, well, the thought behind the word of listening, mm-hmm. because I think in our modern culture, we don't listen very well and we often are rushing to say something that we've planned while the other person's been talking. So can you just talk us through what does good listening mean for you? Sure. Uh, so the, I think, I think that there's different levels and different forms. Um, 
And so one of them is uh, where if if you're listening, but you are still the center of attention, mm-hmm. uh, then you're not really listening. And what w- the interaction is just, it's almost fake. And that's not real communication. So what is the result of that? Mm-hmm. It's probably something ugly, and it's probably noise. Um, so when you when you shift that center of attention out, um, then you you can start to react to the world around you. Um, and unfortunately, nowadays that can be very unpleasant. Uh, there are a lot of toxic channels um, and and feeds, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but that can also provide a sounding board for us. Um, and then progressing on is is really um, listening with the other person's intent in mind. So how can we how can we feel or or put ourselves um, in another person's shoes to to really try to hear what they're saying, um, to really not just well, they're wrong and I'm right and I will tell them that in two mm-hmm. seconds when they're done flapping their gums. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, really really honing in on that empathy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and then finally pushing out into, well, it's not just one channel, is it? It's, uh, you know, it's the world around us. It's listening with our eyes. It's listening with, with our, our, ourselves and with others. Uh, to sort of hear what's what's coming down the way, mm-hmm. which can allow us to 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 react or or prepare. Um, so I think those that's a, a snapshot of yeah. No, that's good. How we try to and listen. I love one of the words you dropped in there: empathy. I mm-hmm. think that's such a key. You know, to put yourself in the other person's shoes, and and that really does encapsulate listening, doesn't it? Yeah. That it's not just about me. I'm actually listening to you. What's your story? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, there, there's so many just the use practices for that. I mm. mean, in when we're in in our department, when we're designing technologies and solutions and experiences, we have to listen. Otherwise, we're not going to create something authentic. Mm. Uh, so is that the starting point? You mentioned there's a number of different initiatives, and I think there's like museum different things mm, yes, going on. Yeah. So I'd love to hear some of those, but is that the base is, okay, let's listen to the community or listen yeah. to who? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. The, one of the, the backbones is we're not going to throw technology at something for technology's sake. Uh, again, if we're thinking about our students and our graduate level students mm-hmm. as uh, creating their learning journey, we have to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, if we want to provide authentic challenges and problems, we have to listen. Mm-hmm. If, um, if, we're in the process of doing so, we have to listen. Uh, and so the the result of that is um, another experiment called the uh, the Museum Lab, which is part of the Children's Museum of Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of a, a, a new initiative uh, where the, the, there's a, a just a collaboration of different entities, um, including youth. Uh, so they're they're really obviously integral in the the co-designing of this very flexible space mm-hmm. where artists gather, technologists gather, uh, makers gather, uh, guests and families. Um, so it's it's a really right now again it's frightening, mm-hmm. um, but it's also so exhilarating and exciting to be part of that process where rewind back to a classroom in Geneva or whatever where it's 
you know, it's impacting 12, 20 students mm-hmm. um, per class, and then magnifying a footprint into a city like like uh, like Pittsburgh. Mm. Um, it's it's extremely rewarding um, and a, a really interesting journey for a teacher or mm. an educator mm. and a learner. Yeah. That's really great. My father, um, I have an accent, but I actually grew up in Christchurch, and my father was actually the first director of Science Alive in Christchurch, which was like a a science center, basically. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So um, it's not running at the moment, but basically children would come in from schools, and then they would have hands-on exhibits, and, you know, hair would rise, and (laughs) and let's make ice cream, and let's do all these different science-based things, and reflecting, like, this is like 1990, I think Mm -hmm. it started, so it's a long time time ago but it's that sort of experiential learning yeah. isn't it and giving giving the children a, a a fun experience as they learn right and yeah. it's it's real stuff yeah uh, which is is really cool um and in the in the museum lab setting and in other settings that are we know that they work mm-hmm. um you're seeing work of professionals and you're seeing it not in the finished stage you're seeing all the messy bits uh, and it's just, it's a, I think it's such a unique environment when you can fold in mm-hmm. learning scientists and researchers and families, mm-hmm. especially, uh, which Break is really cool. Break down some silos, right? Yeah. And try to get people talking across. I, I love that idea. I, I love the idea that as well, like professions can mm-hmm. inform each other. You know, like I work as a lawyer, I can learn a lot from an environmental social scientist, you know, and I can learn from an architect. And, yeah. but too often we get into our well, right. this is my silo, this is yeah. what I do, and this is how it's always been done and the way it will always be done in the future, which yeah. isn't the case. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I mean, we tout, uh, we tout collaboration, but, you know, the, the proof is always in the pudding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, as, as simple and as silly as it sounds, a neutral ground um, with, with children, with mm-hmm. their families, looking in and looking on, mm-hmm. uh, that's a, a really, it's a really cool experience, and it, it really pushes us to collaborate in ways that we, we can't imagine yet, and yeah. I can't imagine, you know, what will be down the road, mm-hmm. uh, but we're really, really excited about it. That's great. Well, in the show notes, we'll put some links, and then oh, yeah. people can click through, and they can learn more yep. about, we don't have time to go into all the things, sure. I'm sure there's a lot. Um the reason you're here is it's the Future of Learning Conference. What's your sort of take on the future of learning? That's a really broad question, but yeah. you know, wherever you want to go with that, you know. Yeah, uh, I think it's uh, it's really exciting. There's it's easy to to paint uh, and expose where the failures have been, uh, but to me. You know, I, I see that as a, a, a stepping stone mm-hmm. um, because there are people that are very passionate, whether it be in Pittsburgh or whether it be here in Christchurch, mm-hmm. which is pretty much the opposite end of the earth. Um, but there there are people that are are thinking about really important questions, are taking action, and are sharing best practices. So, I mean, it's for me, the future of learning isn't the future, it's now. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are people that are really taking serious heart to this um, and serious effort to change, to make the, you know, the, the future classroom more equitable, more engaging, mm-hmm. and really a place where a child, an adult, whatever, can have fun and can have fun learning. Yeah. 
Well, it's been great you've been able to come to New Zealand to participate in this because I think it is a unique conference. It's really focused on the yeah. learning rather than it being sort of a workshop over here as part of a bigger conference. So yeah. I think we should give a big shout out to Hamish and Cheryl and Louisa and all the people who've pulled it together because yeah. it's, it's been pretty cool. Yeah, and brilliant work, brilliant yeah, work. Yeah, um, I need to finish up now because you are on the next panel. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but I'm sure there's many other places we could go. But yeah. what we'll have to do is you have to come back to New Zealand and we'll do another episode at some point in the future. <laughs> yeah. But I think you've got, there's the three J's, right? Correct. Jessica, Jason, and John talking, reflecting on the conference. Yep. Do you know what you're going to say or going to go the, off the cuff? I, it'll, I think it'll be off the cuff. Um, I really, I want to react to uh, Jason and, and uh, Jessica. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and then See also, yeah. yeah. And, and feed off the, feed off the crowd mm -hmm. because I think there's a lot of positive, energy going on mm. uh, and the sun came out <laughs> it did yeah it's yeah. nice and sunny yeah. well I really appreciate your time and I just loved hearing about your own educational journey because I could have gone in with the question what do you do now mm -hmm. but actually hearing about your you know young self moving to France and the yeah. experience of having a teacher who really was curious and opened up education yeah. for you I think that then set the scene for what you've then gone on to do and I love that you know, the it's it's kind of um, self-explanatory. You know, what are you doing today? Well, look back when I was a right. child. This is what happened. So, yeah, thank you so much for your time, though. Yeah, I mean, this was an absolute pleasure. Uh, I would love to do more of this uh, because it's it's important to reflect uh, so that we can look forward. Yeah, also. and I, th thank I think you. it's the storytelling part of it, isn't yeah. it? Like we can learn from each other's stories. So. Maybe yeah, you can have a, a podcast back there and mm. <laughs> have you, start telling. Have the you stories. ever have you ever interviewed yourself or no? Or I haven't interviewed myself yeah. yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, many people have said, "Are you going to get interviewed?" I've done 130 yeah. interviews now, and I think I will eventually. But I also yeah. like it to be um, about the guest. It's sure. you know I'm the the person asking the questions, yeah. but yeah, I want to tell other people's stories. So. Huh. Yeah, it's fun. I enjoy it. And uh, maybe that's the key, right? It's the right. fun aspect. Yeah. <laughs> if I wasn't enjoying it, then um, yeah, probably would stop. Yeah. But anyway, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Great. Well, I do hope you enjoyed that conversation with John. I know for me, there were several things that stood out. In particular, I love to hear about the role that that teacher over in France had played when he was a young child and what a big difference that person's attitude had made to him. If you enjoyed this episode, then check out some of the back catalog as well. There's also a website at theseeds.nz, a Facebook page, an Instagram account, a Twitter account. All those things are up there. Until next time. Mm -hmm.